0: Hello everybody, welcome back to March is a start. It is March 1st. How exciting. How great. Oh, what a what a season it's been. How fun it's been this year and we and we're getting to the we're getting to the most exciting time right now. It is it is the heart of college basketball. We are coming up less than 2 weeks away from having a bracket. 2 weeks about away, 15 days from the greatest day of sports over the whole year, the first day of March madness. It's it's exciting. It's ah, it's so much fun. It's March first today. We're gonna have fun talking here. Uh, episodes are gonna be coming more frequent. Uh, so the plan is this is Wednesday. I wanted to wait until the first of March. Want to wait till it's officially March to record. Uh, and then next week be coming back on Tuesday, uh, recording that day, recording throughout the throughout the um conference championship weekend. Probably my goal is Friday of next week. Um, record that day. Record again then Sunday night after the bracket comes out. Initial thoughts, predictions. Um can have a big guest is the hope. The the week of March Madness. A really big guest. Should be fun. Just want to tease that one just a little bit. Uh really notable guy. Hopefully we can get him on. Hopefully he can he can make some time in his schedule for us. We'll have to see. Uh good friend. Good friend. But uh it's gonna be fun here coming up. That's the schedule for now, and then, and then obviously March Madness. Uh, we're gonna be going. We'll have one Wednesday for sure before, maybe uh, that's that's the goal. A couple throughout that week, but then uh, Tuesday or sorry Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights. Hopefully that's Sunday night too. That one gets a little hairy with me having to drive. But uh, instant reactions after the day of games. Uh, a lot of long hours getting put in. A lot of long time uh, long hours gonna be put in handicapping that week. Uh, some games, a lot of games, hopefully, hopefully we can find some spots, uh, already have a future in, hopefully get a couple more futures in, uh, once before the tournament gets out, maybe, maybe after the brackets released, I like to get them in a little bit before, just because you can always get a better number. Obviously that can help you or hurt you based off of, uh, how the bracket shakes out, but that's, that's just the way it goes. It's gambling. Um, first let's run through a couple things. Indiana, obviously, knocked off Purdue for the second time this year. 2-0 on the year against against Purdue. That's big. Purdue's been a little bit of a skid lately. Um, it seems like everybody's kind of selling Purdue lately, which is interesting to me. It's kind of make me want to hop back on the train. Um, maybe maybe throw down a little money on them because as soon as everybody starts getting off, you kind of want to hop back on, and that's an interesting so- spot to be in. Also, everybody's all over Creighton right now. That was a team that I was really high on early in the year. Um, not as much now. I, 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 they have been playing better, they're still a shaky team. They're all over the place. I'm going to stay away from them right now. I seriously do think that in like, even in the first round, they're probably going to be between like a seven and nine seed. Maybe they could sneak up to a six. It'd be tough, but, uh, you know, Brenner gets a foul trouble and, and they're just done. So that's where I'm standing with that Creighton team, Arkansas, Nick Smith Jr. is back. So that's really exciting and really fun. Um, a lot of good stuff going down, Tennessee basketball, um, in a little bit of, I guess you could call it disappointing news uh, coming out obviously you want everybody healthy you want every single team in March to be at full strength because that's when it's at most that's when it's the most fun um that's when that's when just college basketball and and sports in general are the most fun when everybody's healthy you're playing you're playing a whole roster um with nobody missing and unfortunately for this Tennessee team uh they're Their season might be looking a little bit different heading into March. Now, we still haven't gotten the official word back um, on Zakai Ziegler from from Tennessee. He did play last night, or I don't remember if it was last night or two nights ago, but he went down uh, with a knee injury. We're still waiting back to hear on that. Uh, Hopefully for all good news there, he's the third leading scorer on Tennessee in a team that doesn't have much scoring to go around, uh, but is a good defensive piece for them. So hopefully they can get him back. Uh, the Nick Smith Jr. thing back for Arkansas, though, so inspiring. That Arkansas team can be so good. Eric Musselman has caught some breaks in the tournament the past couple of years. Um, maybe been a little bit of a light schedule. He's gotten to two lead eights in the recent in the uh recent years. Hopefully they can get it going now with Nick Smith Jr., definitely their best player on their roster back. Hopefully he can stay healthy, keep those knee injuries away. I was worried for a while that uh he was not gonna be able to play. Uh, or he just not that he wasn't gonna be able to play, but that he just wasn't gonna play. He was going to be one of those. Oh, I want to hold out uh, for the NBA draft. It sounds like he wants to come back and he wants to play and he wants to contribute to this team. And that's that's absolutely absolutely what you want. Um, come March, it's it's so much fun this time of the year. I know I've said it a couple times here, but geez, this is this is just the best time of the year. Um, basketball is at its height. It's in the forefront. College basketball, the sport we know and love, is at its forefront. This. Episode. I know I've been talking a lot about uh, gambling stuff recently. I'm, I'm going to go back to it again today because that's that's kind of the new world um, that we live in. Obviously, I just turned 21, so it's legal for me to do uh, first March where I can do that legally. Um, but with more and more states opening up the the betting betting laws and regulations, it's 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 easier than ever, than ever for everybody to do it. Almost everybody's in a place where they can do it. Um, so what I wanted to go through in this one is just, I don't want to call it tips and tricks. It sounds corny, but kind of how to handicap because obviously it's fun always just spray and pray and just be like, Oh, just straight gut feeling. Like I think they're going to do good and you whip stuff out there, but that's just not the smart way to handle your money when you're doing this. When you're betting, you always want to do it responsibly, bet within your means and look into the teams that you're betting and just don't do it blindly because that's how you lose all your money. You don't want to do that. You want to go in. Dig deep into the numbers, get into handicapping, especially towards this time of the year. There's a lot of data on these teams. Um, there's so many good websites Hoop Select, uh, Ken Palm, College Basketball Net Rankings, obviously good. Um, but there's just really basic stats that you can look at too that's so indicative of how a team is going to do come March. And that, that's more what I want to look in. And then obviously end the episode of 12. We've been ending every single episode with a little bit of bubble talk. It's pointless. The committee puts out that like top 16 list. Oh, these are the top 16 teams. Nobody cares about the one through four seeds where they're going to get seeded. It, it doesn't matter to anybody because all those teams have a shot to make it. What, what people care about is... Uh, the bubble, especially right now. They want to know who's in, who's out, who's gotta play for their life coming up with Conference Championship Week. That's what next Tuesday is gonna be out. Uh some conference championship uh stuff to talk about next Tuesday, and some stuff that you're able to get in. So uh, but for now, let's just talk about some stuff. What I like to look into when I'm handicapping games, uh, just a few stats, what you need to know, what you look through, because I think there's a couple of these that are really important. There's some, that's just so overly analytical that it doesn't matter. And you have to, a lot of these websites are going to throw so many things at you that you just need to be able to read and decipher what you're looking at, because I don't think a lot of people understand this. Um, a lot of people don't don't get the numbers they're looking at. You have to be able to understand the numbers to be able to use them effectively. I'm going to try and help you do that. I'm going to try and explain a couple of these. They can be broken down very easily, but when you get all of these just uh, abbreviations and numbers thrown in your face, it can get confusing, and I understand that. So let's start out with some of the basic things. Probably the most commonly used website when handicapping college basketball games is Kenpom because they give you a lot of nice stuff, especially if you pay for pay for. Ken pound premium, which I do, it's 20 bucks for the whole entire year. Not bad. If, I mean, that's less than two bucks a month if you average it out. Obviously, college basketball doesn't go the whole year, but probably three months, three bucks a month throughout the college basketball season is what uh it adds up to be. So it's well worth your money if you're interested in and you're in a gambling state uh where, where you can legally gamble on these basketball games. So uh let's run a few things here. So when you go into Kenpom, even if you don't have the premium, you can still see these baseline stats, okay? These baseline things you are still able to look at. And these are things that obviously are very valuable um, when looking at which teams are actually good, what, why the numbers that books have out make sense, and uh, you can tell a lot from these. So first thing I want to look at here is every single team is ranked in Kenpom on the base. You don't need the premium to do this. Uh, by adjusted efficiency margin you'll see that adg or adjem adjusted efficiency margin um basically just telling you this is who the stats are saying are the best college basketball teams per 100 per 100 possessions in the college basketball season um you add up the adjusted defense minus or i mean adjusted offense minus the adjusted defense and you get your average Uh, or your adjusted efficiency margin, okay? Also, for anybody that's out there looking to fill out a bracket, take a look at this, take a peek. Maybe you get some insight. Dig deeper into the numbers. Make your bracket good. Go win your pool. Win you some money. It's a fun time, but so explaining this down a little bit. People look at this, and especially people that don't watch college basketball super religiously, they go onto this and look at these numbers. Number one is a great example, actually. Maybe my favorite example to use. Houston. Houston's adjusted adjusted offense is 120.7, good for fifth in the nation, and their adjusted defense is at 90.8, good for fifth in the nation as well. Just happens to work out that way. So a lot of people think, oh, that means Houston averages scoring 120 points a game and giving up 90 points a game. That is not at all. What that means that can get so, so mixed up and so convoluted in people's minds. You have to be able to know how to look at these numbers, adjusted offense and adjusted defense. These are each based on per 100 possessions of a team's play. So on average, if you give Houston the ball 100 times and you put an average team against them, they will score 100 points or 120.7 points on average. If you give the other team the ball and put Houston on defense against an average team 100 times, they will average giving up 90.8 points per game. Now, while this 120 is very high on this list, if you sort it by adjusted offense, they are fifth in the nation in adjusted offense and adjusted defense and adjusted offense. They are only trailing Gonzaga, Baylor, Iowa, and Marquette. As we know, all, all four of those teams, they put up points every single, every single night. Does Houston, though? You can check that out with a couple numbers here. So the adjusted offense is a little bit easier to look at the adjusted defense. Adjusted defense is you kind of have to look at the team they're playing a little bit more. So adjusted offense, Houston, 120.7 per 100 possessions. Fifth in the nation. Now, if you go and look at another stat, so that's per 100 possessions, as I've said before. You need to go look at how many possessions, though, does Houston average per game because they don't get the ball 100 times per game. They don't have 100 possessions to go try and score the the basketball. When you go look at the top team in the nation in possessions per game, it's Tulane. They average just over 77 possessions per game. Their pace they play at is insanely fast. They're up and down the court, and they're shooting quick into the shot clock every single time. Their their method, which you teach their own, they want to get shots up. Alabama's number two. It's been very successful for Alabama. They're one of the best offensive teams in the nation. In the nation, they're one of the best offensive teams. Number number uh, um, eighteen in offensive efficiency. So while even while they shoot a lot, they still make a decent amount of their shots. But they're able to put up more shots than most teams in the nation. Now for Houston being number five, just just seeing them at number five, you'd be like, oh, they're they're better than Alabama at offense. They they score more points per game than Alabama on offense because their adjusted offense offense efficiency is higher. That that's how it is. No. Alabama averages seventy-six point nine possessions per game, so seventy-seven times a game they get the ball with a chance to score. There is five hundred, or sorry, three hundred and sixty-three teams that are in Division One college basketball. Houston ranks three hundred and thirty-fifth among those teams in pace of play, possessions per game. Houston averages sixty-three or sixty-six point three possessions per game. Now let's look at that a little bit deeper, deeper when it's compared to their offensive just adjusted offensive efficiency. When you go back and you combine the two numbers, that one hundred twenty point seven offensive efficiency and the sixty six possessions uh, that they get a game, you're going to get if you do the math, you get around eighty points a game that they score. They averagely they actually average seventy six, so not far off. Four point difference there um, between what the advanced stats tell you and what the actual just true stats are telling you. Um, but you have to put that into account that they're gonna play a very, very slow pace. Top 50 slowest paces in America. So, and they they don't play in a great conference. That's another thing. Obviously, we'll get into that in just a few minutes. But you have to put that into account because if they're also playing a team that likes to play a very, very slow pace, you're looking at you're looking at a small total for that game and maybe even an under. Both teams want to play slow. Even though Houston's offensive efficiency is high, you know, maybe you get two teams in March that really good defensively. They want to play slow and their offensive efficiency isn't great. And you can look at it. They don't have a lot of possessions per game because their pace is really slow. It's something you need to look at. That's how you can help handicap some games looking at that offensive efficiency, but then also taking into account what their pace of play is because pace of play is a very big thing. It's huge when you're talking about overs and unders and even talking about maybe team totals that you want to bet Um a lot of different things. Um, so definitely when you're trying to handicap these games, don't just look at the offensive efficiency. Of this is how many points they usually score a game. It's not. It's it, that, that stack can get convoluted very quickly. It's how many, points or how many points they'd score per 100 possessions on average based off of their efficiency. Something to definitely keep in mind. Um, another thing that you need to keep in mind, there's a lot, college basketball is getting more fluid than ever. The Mountain West, it looks like, is going to get three teams in this year. The WCC is definitely going to get two teams in this year. Um, the American conference is probably going to get two teams in this year. So like the PAC 12 right now, they're looking probably at three teams, maybe four, two to four there. I mean, they could very easily get two as well. So it's, it's, uh, it's more even than ever right now in college basketball with who can get in and who can get out. And that number is going to change a lot based on what happens in the conference tournaments. Someone that shouldn't win the conference tournament does. And that bumps out another spot for a bubble team. So it's going to be interesting to see what we get here now. You have to take into account the level of competition these teams are playing. And I know it hasn't been indicative of Gonzaga over the past couple of years. Gonzaga is an outlier. They've turned themselves into a borderline blue blood program over the past couple of years. I know they haven't won a championship and that has to be a stable for a blue blood program, but they've played very, very well over the past decade and a half or 22 decades since Mark Few got there. They've been great. He's a great head coach and that's an outlier. Kelvin Sampson's trying to do the same thing at Houston. He's built up a reputation. They've been to a final four. He's been very good. But Houston doesn't play in a great conference. I know, I know I'm using Houston a lot, but that's just the example I have right now. You can also take San Diego State as an example. Um, I saw a stat earlier today. The, the Mountain West is 0-8 in the conference, or in the NCAA tournament in the past four years. Now, does that always mean that you shouldn't take them with, like if they're, if they're an underdog plus the points? No, but the Mountain West doesn't play good historically in the tournament, even though they might get a couple teams in. Just the way it is. Just the way it is. So you have to look at conferences. I'm not huge on like picking out conferences and, and everything like that, but it has to weigh in, into your mind at least a little bit. Um, So another thing when you're, again, handicapping, looking at the conferences. How, how good is this conference? Is this is a bottom tier. Um, Now, obviously not Uh, everybody has this, but when you are a uh, subscriber of the, Kempon Plus, you can you can go check out conferences being ranked um, by adjusted efficiency margin of the teams. That's and it, it only has it in teams that are expected to go over five hundred um, in play. Now, right now, WCC while Gonzaga and Saint uh, Mary's are very good, sitting around there like ninth in the country of of conferences by adjusted efficiency margin. So it, it can vary quite a bit here. It can vary quite a bit. And you can go back in, in multiple years and look at all this stuff and, and some interesting stuff to look at. But conference play has to be something that you look at. Who do they play in the conference? Um, what are they looking like? Gonzaga here, they're going to have quite some time off between games a lot of time to prepare so if you're looking at them you know they have more time to prepare and rest than maybe anybody you can take that as a good or bad thing but they're probably going to have a solid week and a half off before they play and the WCC tournament has gotten so wacky this year that the top two seeds Gonzaga and St. Mary's are already starting the semifinals there's 10 teams in WCC I believe and they don't do the um two pigtail games they just play like five different rounds and every round you there's two more teams that are off the buy. So it's, it, it's wacky this year. The WCC is doing it, but definitely something to look out for. Pay attention to, it. are the conferences good that they're playing it? Is it consistently good? Obviously when you're looking at betting like long shot futures and stuff like that, the big 10 hasn't won a championship in 23 years. I'm going to harp on that. It's just, it's just something that's going on um, and been going on. I'm going to say it until they win it um, and, and, and prove me wrong. I hope they do soon. I hope, I hope, I hope they do it, but nonetheless, definitely something to check out. Also, something not a lot of people look at, something I like to look at, um, I think it's interesting. Usually what happens in March Madness is the four regions get catered to the high seeds in the tournament. So the the Midwest or the South bracket, whatever they're going to use this year, um, Kansas probably going to get that, right? Kansas probably going to get the one seed that's in that area and the South bracket, Alabama probably going to get the one seed that is in that area, so it, it it's different. But what I like to look at teams that have to travel a long way to play. Um, it might not seem like it matters all the time, but it it really does. If you if you're traveling more than a thousand miles and the other team isn't, it it, it can make a big difference for you in your game. Uh. Travel matters when you're talking, um game planning, preparation, jet lag. A lot of these teams are going to find out uh, where they're playing until Sunday or nobody's going to find out where they're playing till Sunday. Some of them might not head out till Tuesday. Uh, hopefully they head out Tuesday night probably um, if they're playing on Thursday. Some might not head out till Wednesday if they're playing on Friday. Um, and then those teams that are in the first four, they got to go play in Dayton on Tuesday, Wednesday night, and then they got to fly to their destinations. So a lot of things can happen with travel, but I, I like fading teams a little bit more that don't have to travel as much or that, that have to travel more than teams that don't got to travel as much. Um, last year uh, in March madness, we saw a, a prime example of that last year in, in, in the 2020 tournament or sorry, 2022 tournament, TCU and Seton hall two two teams that both no team nobody really had huge expectations for either team in the tournament. TCU played well and they played Arizona really hard in the next night, but TCU and Seton hall, They played their first round game in San Diego. Now, I know that's not close to TCU, but geez, that's all the way across the country for Seton Hall, a team that's located in Jersey. They have to go across the entire country to go play in that game. The spread, I believe, was close in that game. I want to say if I remember right, it was four and a half points. TCU beat them by, what did it end up being here? 27. TCU hung it on them. Now is that all travel? No, but I think that plays a part into it. TCU had a two-hour flight or hour and a half, whatever it is, for Texas over to San Diego. Um, not really in all in all reality, not that far of a flight. And uh, Seton Hall to go across the whole country. Another example. Obviously, it's a one sixteen. So Gonzaga beat Georgia State, but Gonzaga played in Portland as a one seed, played basically right in their backyard, and they played Georgia State, who had to travel across the entire country. They hung it on them. Things like this happen every single year, every single year, things like this happen. And, and you can't base it, your picks solely on this, but I mean, travel definitely has to be an indicator. Um, if, if everything else that all the other metrics that you're looking at line up with what you're thinking and then travel can be added on top of it, I think it's a huge thing. Um, another one that I want to talk about here, uh, coaches coaching trends in March Madness there's just definitively coaches that coach well in March and there's coaches that don't coach well in March it's just it's uh it's 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 the way it's been for a while it's the way it's going to continue to be you are what your record in March says you are that's who you are as a coach that's that's just absolutely what you are if you're in March if you don't have a great coach that doesn't have good tournament success you don't have a good chance if you're if you're a great coach that has a lot of great runs and it seems like you're always pulling them out of your hat Props to you. Then, then you got it in the bag. There's two great examples here. One with a team that's always good, that always underperforms, and one with a team that seems to always be underrated, that always performs in March. Let's go to the first one. The Tennessee Volunteers coached by Rick Barnes. One of the, He's a great regular season head coach. He's a terrible tournament coach. When looking into head coach Rick Barnes over at Tennessee, he has good teams year in and year out. Teams that are always high up ranked, it seems like, every single year. And he just doesn't produce in the in the NCAA tournament. Since the 2017-2018 season, they've made the tournament every single year. Obviously not in 2020. There was no tournament. They're going to make it this year, and they're going to be a good seed. Let's go look at what he's done in those seasons. 2017 2018 his team was a three seed they were 26 and 9 on the year and he lost in the second round the round of 32 didn't make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament the next year they're a two seed they do a little bit better they're 31 and six on the year a two seed so they have high high expectations when you're a two seed that means it if if seed just trumps everything you should make the elite eight losing the sweet 16. 2020, there's no tournament. 2021, they're a five seed. They're 18 and nine. Still a really solid team. First round exit. Another opening another opening weekend loss and exit for the Tennessee Volunteers. And then last year, they're a three seed. They're 27 and eight on the year. They have another really good team. Second round exit. Don't make it out of the first weekend. Rick Barnes doesn't coach well. See if you can find some trends in coaches. Rick Barnes doesn't do it well. You know who does do it well? That not a lot of people think about all the time. is His teams are shaky. They're not always... He doesn't always look pretty. Sean Miller. I like Sean Miller. There's a lot of different opinions about him. I like him. I think he's a good basketball coach. Let's look at it. In his time... At Xavier in both Arizona, he's made the tournament. He's made the NCAA tournament 11 times. Made the Elite Eight four times. Made the Sweet 16 three times. Means he's at least making the Sweet 16 seven out of 11 years. It's pretty good. You can't do it every year. Especially when you're building the program it's tough the he's lost in the round of 64 twice or th- sorry three times one was at Arizona it it was, it was a tough it was a tough year for them over there he took over in the middle of it it was it was weird it was tough uh it, it, it wasn't good he had been suspended for a while that year he was in a bunch of trouble uh round of 64. one his first year at Xavier there was the seventh in the conference standing lost in the round of 64. Other one, they were a really good team, lost around 64. It happens sometimes. But consistently, he coaches a really solid basketball team in March, year in and year out. Another one that I think gets a lot of credit for coaching well in March based off of one thing is Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart's not good in March. He made the final four one time. He's lost in the round of 32, round of 64 every single time, including getting blown out last year by North Carolina in the first round of team that they were probably better than last year. All in all, I mean, North Carolina's... They obviously went on a huge run, but Marquette over the course of the season, definitely a stronger team than North Carolina last year. They got the doors blown off them. Shaka Smart's not a great tournament head coach. It's just the way it is. Now, is that saying Marquette can't make a run this year or Tennessee can't make a run this year? No, that's not entirely what I'm saying, but you have to at least put in coaching into account at some point. Two more things I like, and then I'll give you one thing that I really don't like, and I just just don't care about it at all. Two more things I like. When I'm betting on teams, I like teams that don't turn the ball over and I like teams that make free throws. I like teams that make free throws, especially when I'm betting favorites. I like teams that make free throws. When it comes down to an end of game situation, late in the game, it's going to get into foul city. And when you got a team minus four and a half, you'd rather that team shoot 80% from the stripe than 62%. It's just the way it is. And that's the reality for some teams. They can't hold on to leads because of this. We see it happen year in and year out. Bad teams, or sorry, good teams that don't shoot the ball well from the free throw line, they just don't end up covering at the end of the games and they fall apart. And then you lose your bet and you don't want that to happen. Also, turnover is such a huge thing. College basketball, basketball in general, it's such a game of runs. Turning the ball over gives the other team an opportunity to make runs. You have to have your money in a central location. With teams that can shoot free throws and not turn the ball over. That's just who you want. You want them to have your money in their hands in March. Historically, teams that can do both of those team both of those things do great in March Madness. They do outstanding. It happens every single year. There's just teams you fall in love with because they're hot and then and then they fall off a cliff, and at the end of the game, you're like, oh, we got this one locked up. There's a few fouls. Um, They miss their free throws. The other team go, runs down the court, bangs in a few threes, and all of a sudden you're lost and you don't got your money anymore. Don't be that guy that doesn't look into it. Make sure you're looking into these things come March Madness. Look, make, dig into the numbers a little bit. Take some time. Sit down. Look. Look who can shoot the three well. Look who can guard the three well. That's a big thing in college basketball now, nowadays. If you're playing a team that does shoot the ball really well, free throw free throw wise, and they're playing against a team that fouls a lot, averages a lot of fouls. There's an indicator right there. There's so many things that you can go off of this March that can give you just a little bit of an edge on the books. And trust me, the house, the house always wins. You need as much of an edge as you can. So dig deep into the numbers, bet responsibly and, and and do some research before you place your bets. It's not a gut feel thing. Look at the numbers, look at the numbers. It's the smartest thing you can do. Now there's one betting trend that I hate, uh, It seems like people fall into it every year and yeah like it works sometimes but it's it's just not something that you can count on you can't look at it individually and I think a lot of people do look at it individually especially even like filling out brackets a lot of people look at it individually this way um just seeding uh that 5-12 game obviously uh 12s do really well against fives um I believe it's like since 2012 though uh five seeds are like 16 and 17 against 12s so you're not getting an out like an outrageous number um, of an edge, like betting that that uh, 12 seed over the five seed, especially if you're going on the money line, like um, it, it could hurt you more than it helps you. Now, when you're betting, talking spreads a little bit different um, in that same amount of time you have the uh, 12 seed being 21 and 12 against the spread against five seeds. So it's definitely something to keep in the back of your mind but it's not something so many people base it solely off of that like oh do I have a 12 seed winning like yeah you know I mean it's it's something to look at it's it's obviously that's a that's a weird seed that seems to happen every single year but you can't base base your gambling completely off that it's irresponsible to do it's one of my least favorite betting trends people just saying like oh, the 12 always beats the 5 it's just not the truth it's just not the truth last 33 whatever there's 16 and 7 17 like whatever it's just not true it's just not true so you got to put thought into that. Can't just look blindly stuff goes the way it goes. Let's end this one out by talking a little bit of bubble talk. We won't spend too much time on it, but I do want to spend a little bit on it because obviously it's interesting. It's what the people are here for. um, And it's what makes this part of March. So great is you seeing your favorite team right on the line of making it or not, and just praying and needing stuff to go your way. Needing, needing your team to win, needing other teams to lose. Uh, last night we had Boise state knock off San Diego state. That was huge for them. San Diego state firmly in the tournament right now, hanging around a five seed Boise state was on that in outline. They're more in now after that. Um, they were on the last four out and a lot of things that I, or first or last four in, sorry. Um, on a lot of things I could see before yesterday's game, I would think that they moved to that last four buys, maybe even above that into just firmly into the tournament at this point, unless they have an absolute just disaster of a couple performances and a couple other teams play really, really well. I mean, I think Boise State's as locked in as you could be um, coming into March Madness. Michigan is starting to play their way into some stuff. Um, It's getting really interesting. Their win over Wisconsin recently was huge for them. Uh, Clemson last night did have a big win. Um, they need to take care of the business. They're, I believe they won't wait. I might need to check up on that one. Actually, now that I think about it, I think Yes, they did lose to Virginia last night. Just by seven, Virginia needed that one. They've been on a little bit of a struggle. My bad on that one. But Mississippi State's been playing quality basketball. Wisconsin's teetering right now. Um, they, they're holding on to straws. Arizona State, that's a weak conference with not a lot of stuff going for them. They cannot have a bad performance in the Pac-12 tournament, or that's going to get them straight knocked out of there. Uh, North Carolina, obviously, been a, been a hot topic. Number one team preseason, now in the bubble. Um, they took out Virginia, On this past Saturday, they have Duke coming up this Saturday. They took out uh, not a great team earlier this week. So basically right now for them, just means maintaining Florida State not a quality win that they got on Monday, so not enough to push them up too much. Right now, most people have, have them as the first team out, so there's definitely room for them to move in. They need to probably beat Duke on Saturday and have a good run in the ACC tournament all of these teams that are right on that line, I would say last four in, first four out. A debacle in their conference tournaments is probably going to end up pushing them on their way out. Just the reality of the situation. Um, it's tough, and it's it's exciting to see. Next week is a, where a lot of these conference tournaments start to wrap up, or some of them or start to ramp up. Some of them starting up this week even, and then I believe their conference championship. I think we start getting conference championship games next Monday and Tuesday. Um, so should should be really fun there. Uh, a lot of stuff to look forward to. a lot of fun days ahead. Don't forget about conference championship week next next week. That's I mean it's like a little it's it's a warm-up for March Madness. you sit down, there's games on all day. you get a warm up. Uh, uh, watch whatever you want all day long. It's a really good time. Um, not too much to be worried about coming up again, just a little run through. gonna record next Tuesday again conference championship week probably record again Friday and then Sunday night. Uh, hopefully have our special guest on the week of March Madness, either that Tuesday or uh, Monday or Tuesday should be, should be uh pretty fun, but we're we're going to see what all happens with that. So, Hey, March is here. It's been fun. Let's keep having fun. There's so much to look forward to this time of year. Uh, yeah. There's not much more to say. It's time. It's March 1st. Let's have some fun. I hope you win some money. Get responsibly. Always look into the data.